You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Or learn more about us online at theriverdurant.com. and the edifying of the body of Christ. I have found that the Lord has brought so many graces into my life through those who spoke to me that were anointed for ministry. How many of you found the same thing? That's, that's, it's an important thing and it's imposing in Christian, in Christian ministry throughout, throughout the scriptures to see that the, that the work of God was done by anointed ministries. And that, that the work of God within the church and in the community was done by anointed ministries. But the impact in the world was really done by those who heard them. The impact in the world was really done in society. Society does not change because there's a preacher. Society changes because there's a people that are influenced by a preacher. Amen. That preacher can't go right into your home but you can. That preacher can't go right into your business, but you can. That preacher cannot walk the halls of Congress, but you can. Amen. All right, this is good. Now, verse 13, till we all come. Now, here we go. This is the, the ultimate reason for it all. This unearned favor that we have comes to us for a reason. Unearned favor. The favor you have, the grace you have, you did not work for. You believed for. You did, not, you did not earn it. You did not merit it. You did not, you did not make it happen. You did not deserve it. Amen. Anybody here deserve the goodness of God in your life? No, you didn't. Nobody did. I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. But we have it. I can't help that, Mr. Devil. I have it anyway. Amen. I know you don't think I deserve it. And I don't. But I got it anyway. Amen. Praise God. Like when my grandson was at the house the other day, that kid deserved a beating. That kid deserved a spanking. He deserved it, but he didn't get it because he was at my house. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. At his daddy's house, he would have gotten it. But at my house, he don't get the beating that he deserved. You know what he did? He got all mad because his daddy dropped him off. And he wanted to stay with his dad. His dad took off. That kid ran, ran down the hallway, and I thought that was kind of cute. You know, I was, I was watching him laughing. He's... He's acting mad, you know, and runs down the hallway. And here in a minute, we hear the bedroom door slam. Wham! I thought, that's the cutest thing I've ever seen right there. Because <laughs> I know that's not a habit of his. That's not a habit of his. He doesn't do that at his house because grace doesn't flow like it does at my house, <laughs> at his house. <laughs> There's a little bit more law down at his house than there is at my house. Till we all come in the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I have three thoughts to share with you today about that verse alone. The reason for this undeserved favor, unearned favor, unmerited favor, the grace of God. If you read the earlier part of this chapter, it's all about Jesus giving to us. And the reason for it, the ultimate in God's mind was this. The unity of faith. The understanding of family to the knowledge of the Son of God. And the ultimate of fullness. This is powerful. The unity of faith, the understanding of family, and the ultimate of fullness. Let's say it together. The unity of faith. 
the understanding of family and the ultimate of fullness. One more time. The unity of faith, the understanding of family, and the ultimate of fullness. When he said, till we all come in the unity of the faith, he didn't say till all those who speak in tongues come in the unity of faith. He didn't say till all those who, who were baptized as babies come to the unity of faith. He didn't say till all those who went to the seminary come to the unity of the faith. He didn't say that. He said till we all come. Who is the we all? The we all is everybody who's saved. Every believer in every denomination, in every church, everywhere. And there are, trust me, there are believers in every denomination. There are believers in the denomination you like the least. Yeah, they, are, they are everywhere. God has people everywhere. I think there might even be some in my wife's family. Amen. There's some, there's some believers. You never know where, the, where believers are going to show up. There are believers everywhere. And Jesus said, to, he told his disciples, they're going to come from the north, south, east, and west. They're going to come from everywhere and sit down at, with the table at Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you're going to be shocked at who shows up. You're going to be shocked at who makes it. Y'all are going to be shocked at who makes it. This guy, these guys don't believe it. But you're going to be shocked at who makes it. There are believers everywhere. Everywhere. I, 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 I've told you all the story, but I was witnessing to a guy on the railroad named Danny. Danny Blagg was his name. And Danny Blagg was the baddest dude on the railroad. I had never witnessed to him about Jesus because I, I, was, I was scared of him. <laughs> just telling you the truth, I was just scared of him. He was... He was Seriously bad to the bone. And uh, I talked to everybody about Jesus. Everybody knew where I stood. Danny knew where I stood, but I'd never talked to him because, well, I was afraid of him. One night we were working on a job together. And the yard was all plugged up, meaning there were trains everywhere. I worked for the Santa Fe Railroad, and trains everywhere. Nobody could move the train. It, we were just, it was just all a big mess. So everything was just shut down until the dispatchers could work it all out. And uh, so we're just sitting around, sitting around in the, in the shack, we called it, the little building they had for us to relax in when we had nothing to do. And he and I pulled out our lunch pails, and it was in the middle of the night, so, you know, if you've ever worked the night shift, you know you eat lunch about 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and we're sitting there talking. He, with his big old gravelly voice, said, John! Said, yeah, Danny. You speak in tongues! I thought, okay, here it is. I'm about to die for my faith right here. Right? Yeah. I looked at him trembling, man. I was thinking, oh, Jesus, help me here. I will not deny you. I think I can outrun him. I think I can say it and run, you know. <laughs> Big old bear of a man. And I said, yeah, Danny, I do. He said, hmm. Well, I don't know what that Holy Ghost is, but whatever it is, I want it. Wow. You a believer? Yeah. My wife's been going off down to the church in Dallas, and he's been telling me all this story about his wife and the change in her life and how much he wanted that. Wow, 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 wow. I'm just telling you there are believers everywhere, and sometimes it's people you don't expect to be. Amen. How many of you know that this unearned favor can just show up anywhere? I mean, anybody can believe in Jesus. Anybody can believe in Jesus. It's spreading all through my wife's family. A family we've prayed for for years. Well, you, I don't know if you know, you've heard her tell her story a little bit, but that, I joke a little bit about it, but this family has, well, they've not always been on the right side of the law. They've never been on the right side of the law. <laughs> Hardly ever. Until recently, they've all started coming to faith in Christ. Miss Ann talking to them about Jesus, and one by one, they're just coming in and serving the Lord, and things are changing for them. We've been praying for them for how many years? Decades, decades, 20, 30 years, longer than 20, but a long, long time. And this favor is showing up with the mo in the most unexpected ways. Just when you think it's too late, just when you think it's never going to happen, 
It can happen if you won't stop believing. Huh? Yeah, that's, yeah. you heard the song in your head. Don't stop believing. <laughs> I love rock and roll. <laughs> Amen. The unity of faith. This is the ultimate for the Lord. He's not trying to get us necessarily to be in unity about everything, but he does want us to be in unity about faith. I think he'd prefer that we were in unity about everything, but his, his issue is if he can get us in unity about faith, then, he can be, then we'll be in unity about everything that's necessary. We'll be in unity about everything that's necessary. That's why I keep teaching faith. That's what the five-fold ministry is supposed to be teaching because they're never going to come into the unity of faith until the five-fold ministry starts teaching faith. But so much of the five-fold ministry, the, the, the prophets and what have you, I, I've, I've had them take aim at me and my kind for preaching faith. Yeah. Well, it can't always just be about faith. There are other things that God's trying to get at. No, this, this says it's all about faith. Yeah. Yeah. This says it's, all, it's always been about faith. Pick your favorite subject. Love, is, it, is that your favorite subject? The New Testament has it in, it has it in 222 times. Grace, about 100 and change. Faith, 484 times. Yeah. I wonder what the Holy Ghost was thinking when he wrote this book. <laughs> Maybe this subject was on his mind big. Every time Paul turned around, he's talking more faith, 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 faith. Believe, 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 believe. Always encouraging us because, and because of this issue... The apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers, those who are in prophetic ministry, those who are in apostolic ministry, those who are pastors like Miss Ann. And our job is to nurture the body of Christ to believe God and believe what? The unity of faith to bring us to this understanding of what it means to be in the family of God. To the understanding, to the knowledge of the Son of God, it says. To the knowledge of the Son of God. He's not saying that these Christians don't already know the Son of God. What he's talking about is having an identity as sons of God. That till we all come to this, till we all come to this understanding that we are sons of God like He's the Son of God. Knowing Christ doesn't make you a small uh, 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 creature in the sight of God. It makes you a son of the family, a daughter of the house, glory to God. When you have a knowledge of Christ, you have the knowledge of who you are in Him. Amen. Glory to God. And sin stops being your biggest issue. Mom, I, I meet more Christians who are living to condemnation because they can't break their stupid habits. And some preacher told them, well, you're never going to have God's best until you quit smoking. <laughs> I said, buddy, you're not going to have God's best until you shut your mouth. Exactly. <laughs> give, give God's people some faith so they can overcome those Amen. tedious little things. Infuse them with faith in the grace of God. Because the grace of God that has appeared to all men is that which teaches us to deny ungodliness. Amen. Amen. It's grace that teaches us to deny ungodliness. You're never going to be able to overcome uh, ungodliness because you walk after the law. Remember, there were 12 tribes and Moses sent 12 spies up into the land of promise, went to the land of promise where the kingdom was going to manifest, Sent them up there, all 12 of them. 10 of them came back with a bad report, didn't they? Yep. Two of them came back with a, with a good report. 10 of them came back saying the wrong thing. 10 of them came back saying the right thing. Let's not forget they had all seen the same thing. Two came back saying the, what did I say? Ten came back saying the wrong thing. Two came back saying the right thing. But they had all seen the same thing. Now the point is that the, what they had said, what their, their report was, could not possibly have been based on what they had seen, but on what they believed about what they saw. Woo. Now the question in your life is not about what happens to you, not about your circumstances, but what you believe about those circumstances. How many of you have a few circumstances right now you'd like to... See, go away, yeah. Anybody got some? We've all got circumstances, don't we? So the circumstances are, are, are inconsequential. All that matters about those circumstances is what you will say about them, what you believe about them. Do you believe you're big enough? Do, do you say to yourself, we are well able? Or do you stand around like the, like the, mo like the majority, which says, 
<sighs> we're like grasshoppers. They're like giants. That's what the majority said. We are not able. You notice that those ten all died in that wilderness. Ten died in the wilderness. What wilderness? The wilderness of Sinai. What is Sinai? That's where they'd gotten ten laws, ten other opinions. With those ten lousy opinions they got out. Do you understand what the law does for you? It does not let you see the promise. It causes you to be in the wilderness your whole life and die there. But the two promissory words, love God, love your neighbor. Ten from Moses, two from Jesus. Love God, love your neighbor. Wow. This unearned favor brings us to the unity of faith. Unity is a difficult thing to achieve, apparently, because the church has been at it for 2,000 uh, years. I started to say 2,200 years, but it's 2,000 years. And we've not yet done it. We're working at it, sort of. But it must, it must be difficult to do. I say it's impossible to do. And the reason why it's impossible to do is because they've come at it from the wrong perspective. They've not come at it from the unity of faith. We try to get in unity about social issues. We try to get in unity about the way we vote. And just for, just for your information, we did vote last Tuesday. We try to get in, in unity about this and that and that and this. And, and nothing works because we refuse to get in unity about our faith, about what we believe. We keep thinking that faith is a set of doctrines. The church, we believe this, we believe that, we don't believe this, and we don't believe that. We believe this, and we believe that, and we don't believe this, and we don't believe that. Our, our code, if you will, our, our doctrinal stance, if you will, our statement of faith, they call it. We think, we'll get ours right, and everybody else will come. No, 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 no. You've got to get off of that being faith. That's not faith at all. That's just a doctrinal statement. That's all that is. Faith is believing God from the heart. And getting over onto the scriptural ideas of faith. Believing God. Faith doesn't come because you pray about it. I, I used to pray for faith. Oh, Lord, give me more faith. Now, let me explain to you. Praying about faith is wasted prayer. Gordon Lindsay wrote this years ago, the founder of Christ for the Nations Institute, where I teach. Praying for faith is wasted prayer, he said. Because the moment you pray for faith and send that prayer up, needing faith, you're admitting that there's no faith in that prayer. <laughs> How's that going to work? You just send up a prayer that didn't have enough faith to, make it, to, to, to get it answered. Well, I'm in a dilemma. How do, I get, how do I get into more faith if I can't pray about it? Faith doesn't come by praying about it. Faith comes one way. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It does not come a bunch of ways. It comes one way. It's not rocket surgery. It happens one way. <laughs> Amen. It comes one way. It comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith comes one way. God wouldn't make it so complex that we wouldn't get it. He made it simple so we could get it. If I hear that there's a promise out there for me, and I believe that promise, here's a promise. God made Christ to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. This is the, this is the culmination of the gospel. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and He was buried, and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. You knew I was going to say it before the service was over, didn't you? That is the gospel. I was called to preach the gospel. So I say it every time I get in front of an audience. I can't help myself. Yeah. I know what the real gospel is, and I believe every audience I stand in front of should hear it, that Christ died for our sins according to the... This church can help me. Let's say it together. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and He was buried, and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Glory to God. This is the gospel. 
and it's the greatest thing that we have to offer anybody. A promise like this that God has taken care of your sins. It's a promise that if you'll believe him, you'll have all the benefits of that gospel. Amen. And God will never again be angry with you. He'll never again mention your sins. He'll, he'll, he'll treat you as though it never happened because He has the amazing ability to forget it. Do any of you have any things you'd like to forget? Yeah, I, I see some of you looking, you thinking about your ex-husband. I know. I know. I can't say as I blame you, but anyway. <laughs> Yeah, we all have things we wish we could just forget. But God can forget. And He has forgotten anything that you have put your faith in Jesus about. God has forgotten anything to the contrary that ever happened in your life before. Because He's God, He has absolute control over His faculties like we don't. What would happen if the church came into unity, had the unity of faith. There's a bird called the golden plover. I'm going to have to take my jacket off to accomplish this illustration. I hope this doesn't seem improper, but this is southern Oklahoma. Amen. <laughs> Amen. The golden plover is a chicken-sized bird who lives in two states, not Texas and Oklahoma. No, 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 that'd be, too, that'd be too easy. He lives in Alaska in the summertime and Hawaii in the wintertime. What a life. He lives about six months in Alaska and about six months in Hawaii. There's nothing between Alaska and Hawaii but 4,500 miles of Pacific Ocean, not one island. Once you leave the Aleutians, there's nothing all the way to Hawaii, 4,500 miles. Wow. Now this, the ornithologists, the bird scientists, have cut this bird open and they've studied him. And they found that on the inside, by looking at him, this bird can hold 70 hours worth of flight fuel. <laughs> flight fuel to him, of course, isn't rocket fuel, it's seeds. It's fodder of other kinds. And he is capable of storing 70 hours worth of flight fuel in his little body. 70 hours continuous flight. The problem is, that's a 90-hour flight one way. He's got 70 hours worth of fuel, and he's got a 90-hour flight ahead of him. And he makes it every year. He makes it twice a year, down and back. How does he do it? How does he turn 70 hours of fuel into a miracle 90-hour flight? How does he do it? Ah, the plover knows what every Christian should know but doesn't. The plover knows if you are faced with an impossible task, hey, you have an impossible task in front of you. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's a pretty big deal. That's a flight to Alaska. That's a flight to Hawaii. Plover knows that if you're faced with an impossible task in front of you, that what you don't ever do is to go alone. You must have other plovers. <laughs> this is my other plover right here. <laughs> you go with other plovers. He gathers up a whole bunch of plovers. And they get in V formation and they start flying south. There's one on the point, two flanking, two flanking those, two flanking those, and it goes all the way back making a nice V. I don't know if you've noticed, but when you see birds flying south in, for the winter, you ever notice there's always one side, one side of that V is always longer than the other? You know why that is? There's more birds in that side. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> They fly, they, fly, they fly south for the winter in V formation. And the cool thing about it is, as they're flying, something wonderful happens under their wings. They curl up wind behind it, their wings, which causes there to be a little bit of a lift. 
for the bird behind them. And that creates another lift and another and another. And the because of other plovers, they're flying on the success of the ones in front of them. Mm. Till plover number 15, he's getting a free ride to high wall, you all expenses paid. <laughs> and it does build like that. And it just sort of pushes them along as a unit. And they turn 70 hours of fuel into 90 hours of flight because of what Jesus said, where two on, uh, two on earth agree as touching anything, it shall be done of them of my Father. Unity of faith. Go together. Stick with others. That's what being a part of a local church is about. You can't just call up any indiscriminate Christian. I hear this guy's a Christian. Hey, pray with me. Well, he may or may not, you may not even know what his doctrine is. He may not believe in miracles and healing. Why it's important to be a part of a community of faith where you do have somebody you can call on. Amen. Miss Ann is, is a good place to start, but there are other people here that pray the prayer of faith. These elders and leaders all are here for you. Get somebody who knows how to believe God. Get in, get in, get in unity with them, get in agreement with them, and wonderful things can happen for you. The unity of faith. Second thing is the understanding of family. What it means to be a part of a family. Now, I've thought about this through the years. And I thought, Lord, why would you make us part of this kind of family? These people mostly come to Christ because their lives are all goofed up. Why does this have to be my family? People that are dysfunctional. Couldn't you bring us people that have no problems? Have you noticed that churches have people that have problems? Somebody tell me, oh, that church hurt me. Yeah, it's full of broken people that are trying to get healed. <laughs> Trouble is the biggest reason why people start going to church. I didn't say every time. Sometimes somebody like C.S. Lewis just made up his mind. All right, I'm going to be a Christian now. I mean, he just thought it through, you know, just, just changed his mind. That's really rare. He was a genius. It kind of takes a genius to do that. <laughs> it takes a genius to figure out, I don't want to go to hell, I want to go to heaven. <laughs> Sometimes it takes a genius. <laughs> Apparently it does, because a lot of people haven't figured it out yet. But most of us, most of us, because of some kind of trouble, start looking to God and start looking to His church. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Consequently, in any local church, you're going to find people that have problems. If you came here today thinking, I'm looking for the perfect church, just don't come back because it's, you know, it's not, we're not there. We're going to get there, but, you know, not tomorrow, not next week. We're just glad you're here. We want you here, but you're going to have to understand it. We're, we're all just like you. We all came here with needs. We're doing all we can to overcome those needs and to live in faith in God, and to take on a new understanding, a new identity, to the knowledge of the Son of God, the text says, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to the knowledge of the Son of God. That's really trying to get through it. He's not saying that we don't know Jesus. He's trying to get us to understand that we, in understanding in Him and knowing Him, we find out who we are as part of the family of God. The what He's really trying to get you to see is that you have been born again just like Jesus on the inside. So you have to get an understanding of what it means to be a part of a family, a Holy Ghost birth family of faith. So we have to look at each other in faith now. Because they are not what they seem to be. They seem to be broken. But on the inside, they're really just like Jesus. That person on that row next to you, you know some of their hang-ups. You know some of the things that drove them here. But on the inside, there's something special. I've got a friend. He's my best friend in the world. His name is Terry Sparks. And that guy can be the most obnoxious human being on the planet. He's my best friend. Sometimes I would rather just kill him than put up with him one more day. I'm serious. He makes me so mad sometimes. Nobody can push my buttons like my best friend. 
because he knows my buttons. Yeah. But when he shows up with that mantle, when he shows up to minister, I just sit at his feet and let him teach. He showed up to speak to my students here recently, and it was just stellar. The power of God that flowed through him as 1,100 students sat in rapt awe of the power and anointing on this man's life. The prophetic flows through him like lightning. It's just amazing. I said, I know this idiot. He's not that good. <laughs> but it's... <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? The person... Somebody gave me a gun the other day. I think I told you all this. Yep. But it's not really a gun. It's a knife. It's not what it seems to be. Somebody here gave me this. I love, I love pastoring in Oklahoma because some of you don't know this, but I get paid in guns and ammo. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Knives. <laughs> I can't get over that. I just love that. But the person on the row next to you may look like one thing, but on the inside there's something more dynamic than you ever imagined. Yeah. You, there was a young woman, uh, an, uh, a divorced mom, a single mom that came to our... Hold my weapons, would you? Uh, a single mom came to our church one time years ago when we were pastoring in Texas, and uh, she needed help, and we gave her money. She came back two weeks later. She needed more help, so we gave her some money. She had been in every church service. She had been in every church service. And the board of elders had said, Now look, Pastor John, we don't want this to go too far ever. If you give somebody help a third time, we need to clear that. I said, Okay, I'm fine, whatever. She came back a third time. I gave her money. And I told them I did it. I said, But she's been in every service. She's serious. They said, well, how far are you going to go with this? I said, I don't know. Please. <laughs> let, me, let me help her. I said, well, use your own judgment. Helped her probably four or five times. And then she got a job. And then she started selling property. She had a real estate license. She sold a piece of property. And her commission on this piece of property, millions of dollars. Her commission was $250,000. One day she walked in, handed me a check for $25,000. <laughs> I called the elders. <laughs> I said, nanny, nanny, boo, boo. <laughs> Somebody looks like a failure to you. Who knows what's on the inside of them, what, what the potential is. The people who are down and out might just be the up and coming in the spirit. And just because you're floundering today, just because you're eating dirt today, does not mean that you're not going to be eating caviar tomorrow because God can turn it all around. You've got to keep in your mind who Jesus is. And when you hold him in your heart and in your mind, that's how your inner man will line up and your mind, your, your own mind will line up with hit that identity of who you are. You, get, you begin to say things like this. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith. I, did, I, I, I do not live that way because I'm all that good, but I live it by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness came by the law, then Christ died for nothing. Glory to God. I'm out here purely by faith and I'm believing that I am God's representative in the earth and I'm believing as a child of God I have every right that Jesus had. If he walked on water one day I'm going to walk on water. Amen. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Yeah. <laughs> if he walked on water one day I'm going to walk on water. Yeah. We, we, we've, got, we've got to keep it out there. You've got to keep it out there in front of you. You've got to preach it and believe it bigger than what you've seen. Because if you only believe what you've seen, you're not in faith yet. Come on. You use your faith to believe what you haven't seen. That's real faith. You, you, you keep talking out there big. Amen. Amen. Maybe the biggest piece of property you've ever sold was worth $12. <laughs> you got to believe for $12 million. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Right. Get bigger in your heart. 
because you are big to God. The understanding of the Son of God, the understanding of what it means to be family. Because it's not always in your mind, this understanding. This understanding is really a spiritual understanding. A story is told last year, uh, not last year, many years ago, I heard the story of Dr. James Buskirk, who had a woman in his church by the name of Mary, who had had a car wreck, and, and she had had brain damage. And the only, the only symptom of that brain damage was that she had what the doctors called irreversible amnesia, total amnesia, virtually total amnesia. She could walk and eat and talk and function that way, but she had no memory of who anybody was. Even she didn't know who she was. They had her in the hospital, and she was recovering from her other injuries, and the uh, pastor went to see her, and he said, Mary, I understand you don't know who I am, but I am James Buskirk, and I've been your pastor for the last 20-some-odd years. And she said, well, sir, you're right about one thing. I have no idea who you are. She said, are these young women standing at the foot of my bed with those little children? They claim to be my daughters and my grandkids, and I don't know them from anybody. This guy standing here beside you, my husband, claims to be my husband. I couldn't swear to it at all. I don't know who he is. She said, I don't even know who I am except they tell me who I am. She said, I can't seem to put my finger on one thing that I know, anything that I know except for one thing. She said, somewhere, sometime, I met Jesus Christ. Hmm. Somewhere, sometime, I met Jesus Christ. Do you know what happened? I'm going to tell you what happened. This is not part of the story, but I know what happened. The moment she had that impact, that, that, that uh, wreck, and her memory banks were wiped clean, her spirit cried out, yeah. Jesus. Because he was not in her head. Where was he? He was in her heart. Amen. Amen. You can't knock him out. You can't knock him out. Just because you knock him out of somebody's head, you can't knock him out of their life. That's the way Paul put it. I'm knocked down, but I'm not knocked out. Glory to God. I might get knocked down, but I am not knocked out. Not when I've got Jesus on the inside. The understanding of what it means to be a part of the family means that, that you've got a great family member, your elder brother living on the inside of you. The third thing is this. When we read that scripture, until we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. And what does it say there? Unto a perfect man. Everybody say perfect. perfect. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness. Everybody say fullness, fullness of Christ. What that's really talking about is the ultimate of fullness. The unity of faith, the understanding of family, and the ultimate of fullness. God wants you to have every good thing in your life. He wants you to be full of His Spirit every day, all the time, not leaking out. I've heard a lot of preaching about, yeah, you get filled with the Spirit, but you know, over time you leak out. <laughs> well, yeah, if you teach us to, we will. <laughs> I'm teaching you something different from that. I'm not, you're not leaking out. You have the fullness of Christ. All that happens isn't that you leak out that you stop having the fullness of Christ, but that you get something in your mind that keeps you from accessing the power that's in you. That's what happens. We start thinking wrong. Stinking thinking. The ultimate of fullness means that God's not reserving some power for Himself that He might need in reserve that you can't handle. Whatever, full, whatever power God wants manifested in the earth, He has put in the church. The ultimate of fullness, God wants you to live in fullness, fullness of His Spirit, to live above the attacks of the enemy, 
and the fullness of the Spirit, listen to this, he said, taking to you above all, taking to you the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit. What is the sword of the Spirit? We need a, the, the Spirit has a sword. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Living in the fullness of the Spirit is intrinsically connected to having the Word of God in your mouth. Just saying what God says and living it, living your life to the full every day. Never being satisfied with some days on, some days off. Having a full-time commitment so that the fullness of God can be in and flow through your life. I think about what it would be like if... Who just got married? Kenny? Mariah? Where's Kenny? He's not here. He, he's my dancing bass player. Sometimes he gets it up here. He can't lift his hands, so he lifts his guitar. Mariah, if you and Kenny got married when y'all got married here a few weeks ago, a few months ago, when was that? August 1st. August 1st. I got paid in ammo for that wedding. I did. <laughs> awesome. When y'all got married... Uh, we stood up there. I heard Kenny make ultimate commitments to you. I heard you make ultimate commitments to him. Fullness of commitment to him, right? Yeah. What if when you said, I take you to be my husband, I keep myself only unto you for as long as you both shall live. What, and, and then when I went to him and he'd said, yes, baby, I do too, except for Friday nights. I'm, I'm leaving that open for Susie. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be calling you missus today, would we? <laughs> yeah, me and Susie, we've got a standing Friday night date, and I promise I'll come home to you after my date with Susie and just be once a week. Is that okay? All right, all right. How about just twice a month? Not okay? Okay, I'll give up once a month. Just once a month, a date with Susie. Just two hours. We're going to hurt Susie. <laughs> and that's funny. Mar Mar Mariah did not even create Kenny and had no real claim to him except a faith claim to him. Hmm. No real claim, but a faith claim. A trust claim. Ah. And she wants him 24-7. Every day, all day, mine. <laughs> what kind of claim do you think God has a right to? The one who created you, does he have a real claim or a faith? No, he has a real claim. If, he if you believe he created you. 24-7. And parts of himself to you, not just demanding that you obey him and you commit to him. He has, he has imparted himself to you in fullness, committing himself first of all, so as to garner that kind of commitment from you. I've never had to beg him to let me speak in tongues. Oh, please God, let me speak in tongues. His answer is always, go for it. Oh, pretty please, please, please. no. I've never had to ask him, never had to beg him for anything. I'm not saying I don't, I haven't. I did beg him because nobody taught me that I was a son. Sons don't have to beg. Sons just walk right in the house, open the refrigerator and get what they want. I know I have two sons. Four grandsons, they all act alike. Act like they own everything I have. Because they do. Amen. Amen. The ultimate of fullness. Miss Andy, you have a mirror in your. You have a mirror in your uh, purse. Anybody got a mirror? I don't carry mirrors. They're scary. <laughs> <laughs> Who's got a mirror? Come on, girls. You don't use mirrors anymore. Oh, okay, I got one. I I got one over here, Mom. Y'all look good enough. All right. Open it. <laughs> Rick can fix anything. 
guy. No, go. Mr. Fix-It got it. All right. All right. Casey, come up here. Can you see yourself in there? Yep. What do you see in there? You see yourself? Mm -hmm. You see you? Yep. Can you see yourself in there? Mm -hmm. Am I holding it the right direction? Yes, I see myself. You see you. Mm -hmm. huh. It's funny. You see yourself in there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you see. Can you see yourself in there? Mm. You do? You sure are pretty. <laughs> yeah, you sure are. You see yourself. What do you see in there? Tell, tell us what you see. Um, Come on, Tori. You see your teeth. <laughs> You see your tongue, okay. The children actually got closer than the rest of these adults did. These adults said they saw themselves when in fact what they saw was an image. Oh, but isn't that how we live? We see the image and we think we're seeing the real thing. Really all you're seeing is a reflection, but nobody says, Oh, I saw my image in the mirror this morning. No. What do you say? I saw my face in the mirror. I saw me. That's me right there. No, this is you right here. That's just an image. That's just a reflection. Are you hearing me? The Bible says that God made man in his image, and his intention was that when all the angels and everybody that, that might have seen this man saw him, that they thought they were looking at God. I mean, it talks about you having the fullness to come to the fullness of the stature of the Son of God. The God's intention is that when the world sees you, they're looking at God. That's what they think. We're supposed to be the representation, and we are, the representation and the image of Almighty God. That's what they're supposed to say. I see God in you. I see the Lord in you. When I'm with you, you make me... Get goosebumps. Yeah. Are they, are, you, you make me hate you. Something, yeah. some reaction. But most of us get satisfied with part-time, part-time fullness. Anybody know what 211 degrees is? 211 degrees is hot water. 212 degrees is boiling water. If you need boiling water, you don't need it at 211. You don't need it almost there. You need it at 212. Boiling hot. Fullness of the Spirit. Fullness. Ultimate fullness. If something is full, we used to say, you know, when we were kids, we'd say, yeah, that girl's beautiful. Man, she's beautiful. There'd be another girl that was prettier than that one. We'd say, she's more beautiful. <sighs> no, you can't be more beautiful. Well, I know we all use that, those kind of terms. That's a beautiful dog, but that's a more beautiful dog. No, no. If it's full of beauty, that's the ultimate. When you got filled with the Spirit, that all by itself is the ultimate. God's not looking to try to get you fuller because fuller is running over. Full is the ultimate. Everybody hear me. You have that as a believer. You have that in you as a believer. I'm just trying to make you give regard to it so that the currents of action do not go awry, as Shakespeare said, you know. And great, and enterprises of great pith and moment, with this regard, their currents turn awry and lose the name of action. Yeah, I went to college. Your actions ought to be based on the knowledge of who you are in Christ. And they are based on who you are in Christ from heaven's point of view. The Lord is looking for you to get on, get on the understanding of that. I know, well, I'm just, I'm just an old redneck. Well, I'm a redneck too. 
Well, but I'm an old river rat. Well, I'm a river rat too. Yeah, but you don't know. My family comes from being broke. We were, we were poor. We weren't just poor. We, we, were too, we were too poor to put the R on the end of the word. We were poor. Well, I was too. Doesn't matter where you come from, what you used to be. All that matters is who you are in Christ today. All that matters is who you are in Christ today. You have unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor. Would you bow your heads with me just for a minute? Father, I thank you for the power of the Spirit of God. I thank you for the blessing of knowing the people of God like these gathered here. Precious in your sight are the saints. The saints who have their faith intact. The truth that nothing really matters in this life. Our own accomplishments mean nothing to you but that we have this unity of faith, the understanding of family, the family of God, and the ultimate of fullness. Knowing that your grace has brought these things to us, today we resolve in Jesus' name to live our lives on the basis of what you've done instead of on the basis of how little we have and how little we know. Bless your people today. Bless them in Jesus' name. With your heads bowed, I want to say to those of you who are here who need to make a decision for Christ. I don't know if you've picked it up yet, but God loves you. He loves you. He loves you more than you could possibly ever comprehend. Far more than a grandfather loves a grandson. Far more than a man and woman can love each other. He loved you so much, He gave you His own Son, Jesus. And if He would give you His own Son and not withhold any good thing from you, there is nothing He won't do for you right now if you ask. He will even take you, even though you might presently be a citizen of hell, He will today make you a citizen of heaven. Even though you might be full of sin and unrighteousness today, this moment, he will change you and make you full of righteousness. Make you a new creature by virtue of the great gospel that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried and he rose again the third day just like the Bible says according to the scriptures. If you're here this morning and you say, you know, I need this. I need this in my life. I need to make some things right with God. I need to know Jesus as my Savior. I just need, I need, I need, I need God. I want you to signify that just by raising your hand because I'm going to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. God's going to meet you right where you are. I'm not going to make you come forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to try to hurt you in any way. I just want to pray for you.